sports needs characters. Mm. It needs those people that get you talking, like from the back page, you know, you know we had the likes of Mourinho, you had the likes of, say, you know, your Henri's and feel like that, you had the people, you know, we've got Chelsea, Arsenal, all these different clubs. Sports needs those kind of people that have in, that talk go beyond the means of off the pitch. And it's when he goes, it's going to be a loss. It's our 100th episode and we thought we were going to be having fun, celebrating all that's been happening in football, talking about our clubs, our love for our clubs, the history, all of that good stuff. But something really important has come up and it's caused us to take the time now to pause and reflect on all they have done in their time in charge at one great club. And I'm talking, of course, about Jurgen Klopp and the shock decision which he announced last week about his intentions to leave Liverpool at the end of this season. Seismic news. We've had the reaction from the managers, but we're going to share our thoughts on Jurgen Klopp, his legacy at Liverpool, and what's likely to happen next. This is episode 100 of One Kick from Glory, and we've got all the guys here today. We've got Craig, yeah, yeah. we've got Matthew, yes. and we've got Marcus joining us as well. Hey, hey. This is going to be fun, exciting, and a little bit emotional, but we're going to start off right at the beginning in relation to last week and the reactions and news. I'm going to start with you, Marcus. Like when that notification came through, you know, in the good old days, we used to have CFAX and Teletext, but obviously we get the little dings on our <laughs> phones now from X, formerly known as Twitter. But when you got the news, Mark, that Jürgen was stepping away, how did you feel? Honestly, when it first came through, man, I was going through all sorts of stages of grief. Like, you know, first stage of grief, denial, came through when I was at work and my boss was like, hey, have you seen this? And I was like, nah, it's a joke. It's not real. It's not true. I don't believe it. He goes, but it's on someone's TV on Sky Sports News. I'm like, they're fabricating it. They're making it up. Like, it's not happening. Um, like, they've stuck something over their TV. I don't believe you. Um, and then, like, my phone just came flooding in with all the messages and all the notifications. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, he actually is leaving. Um, and, and yeah, you know, obviously, you know, once I had wiped away the tears um, and tried to pull myself together about seven or eight hours later, um, I kind of finally was able to start to develop some of my thoughts, which I will, I will try to share tonight. But, yeah, obviously, devastating news um, as a Liverpool fan and very difficult to hear. I think we all knew it was coming, but didn't expect it to be coming as quickly as it came and yeah I think my office went into mourning the Liverpool fans among us we <laughs> you know didn't really know what to do for the rest of the work day um so yeah l- l- I'm still finally a week later here just kind of gathering some of my thoughts and you know in preparation for the pod tonight kind of give me the ability to to kind of think some things through and be able to get some things down on paper you know but it really does feel kind of like the loss of a loved one really you know so there no, it definitely was a very surprising news. I mean, Friday on, on X was quite interesting because the general footballing world was shocked. 
And then on top of that, you had the sort of response from Liverpool fans and you had the rival fans who thought they could get one up and laugh at the situation. And it led to some very te- tense and um, tetchy exchanges. In fact, one Liverpool fan said, look, when Arsenal left Arsenal, I wasn't giving you a lot of smoke, but I, I see you faces. Yeah, let's, 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 let's just be <laughs> respectful. But I guess on that note, Craig, like when, again, like when you got that news and you heard that Jürgen was stepping away, like how did you feel? It was a massive shock because he's been there for nine years. He's done, he's done an amazing job, more than that. He's an exceptional job at Liverpool, transformed the club from not winning any trophies for a long time, won the Premier League after 30 years, mm. was the big one for them. Obviously, they won the Champions League, but I think winning the league was the biggest one because over 38 games and they never won the league since 1990. So for him to do that and break that, break that record was a good thing. He was unlucky a couple of seasons as well. He could have won three or four titles. Mm. Only for that great Man City team, one season they went ninety eight points. Any other season they win the league with that point, that point, point um, advantage. Um, he he rebuilt the squad three, three or four times. Got the squad that he first started really he had Sturridge, he had um, Lovren, he had Nene. So he kind of changed over the years. He got better players. He bought Van Dijk. He bought the Allisons of this world, the Mo Salas. He had the Sadio Mane. He had some good players. He had Firmino as well. Um, he had um, who else? Henderson. So then, then in the summer, he rebuilt the squad again. This is his third, fourth squad now. He brought in like um, Gavin Birch. He brought in um, Sabosloy. Mm. He brought in McAllister. So he brought in some good players. He even gave Trent an opportunity in the first team as well. People don't realize how good he did working with Trent, academy player, and he's done well with a lot of academy players that come through the season as well, like Bradley. Um, so he's brought in some good young players coming through. So I think he's done a great job. I think Liverpool will definitely miss him when he's gone. They'll definitely miss him. Yeah. No, I agree on that note. And I guess for you, for you Matthew, as as a guy who's gone through many a manager <laughs> over the last few years, obviously hearing <laughs> what's stepping away is not the biggest surprise for you. I think sometimes with Chelsea, it's more like the manager's still here. That's the surprise yeah. why they've gone. <laughs> but looking across and seeing, knowing what Jurgen Klopp's done at Liverpool, how much of a rivalry he's had with you know Chelsea over the years as well. Like, how big has this news been for you? I was like Mark on that Friday because my line manager is a Liverpool fan and like she didn't believe it, so I didn't believe it. And for this whole time, I'm looking around, seeing everywhere, I was like, rah, it's actually happening. Every source, I'm looking left, right and centre, social media, TikTok, here you go. I was like, you know it's bad that I'm going on TikTok to go for my sources, but I just had to be sure. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's just like, you know, it's we've lost, I think, a, a big cornerstone of the Premier League, like an mm. old, like a, not, not 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 old school, not that, but just kind of a more like a, a, a type of manager you just don't see very often in the Premier mm. League, especially in a club like Liverpool, you know, who were, you know, crying out for years after the things with Benitez and then they had um, Dalglish and then they had Rob Hodgson. I think the order might be wrong. Then obviously Brendan Rodgers came real close with the SAS and it was you know, kind of languishing a little bit. And then he came in and just kind of gave him a lift up and bring, like, you know, not just the club, but the culture around the club, the massive uplift that they needed and making them competitive within, like, you know, two, three, four seasons, you know, with the, the stock he already had was still good. And then he just gradually improved every single time. And they're along for the ride, you know, and it wouldn't, I don't think, I mean, they got into a final in the first two seasons. I think there was the Europa League final or something. But there was just something a little bit different when he was there compared to other managers. Just like his approach and who he is as a guy. And just the fact that he's he just comes off sometimes as a little bit unserious about the whole thing. He's a, 
he's a vibesy manager. He's a vibesy guy, and you know it, it tells a lot of the fact that he's you know he's he's a rock. I'm not I'm not mistaken. He's in a rock band or something. In his spare time, he plays. He does something like that. You know, wouldn't expect like a busy up and coming Premier League manager to do something like that. Where you got other managers like your Peps, who are so efficient and machine orientated. You know, they're desperate to win. It's a refreshing thing to see someone like him that just approaches it in a completely different way. And you just don't get many managers, like maverick, outscope, outspoken managers like him very often in any of the top leagues. So, you know, as much as, you know, secretly, very secretly, I'm happy as going, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad as well because <laughs> we're losing, sports needs characters. Mm. It needs those people that get you talking, like from the back page, you know, you know we had the likes of Mourinho, you had the likes of saying you know, your Henri's and things like that. You had the people, you know, we've got Chelsea, Arsenal, all these different clubs. Sports needs those kind of people that have in, that could all go beyond the means of off the pitch. And it's when he goes, it's going to be a loss to us for to, to, not just the Premier League, but just the football in general. And you know, wherever he goes, they're getting a good guy. They're getting a real good guy. Yeah, it's going to be a massive loss to the league. I think the annoying thing is, you know, Mark, we were talking about what the Premier League needs and there was one manager that we were all desperately hoping would be the next one out the door. <laughs> but unfortunately, he's still here. 115 charged later, he's still here. <laughs> but, um, but on, you know, just talking about that, because I think you, you raised a lot of great points there, Matthew, talking about the, you know, what um, Jurgen Klopp, did in terms of like the timeline of managers Liverpool have had and Craig you mentioned it as well like this is like his fourth kind of squad and how he's revised it and revitalised it over the years I guess with that Matthew sorry with that Marcus what would you say then looking back on everything is Jurgen Klopp's enduring legacy at Liverpool yeah look when he when he came to Liverpool we were languishing like struggling um, had to put up with you know couple of years of that man who talked about having great character all the time, um, <laughs> you know, King Brandon, um, who, you know, w- with all due respect, Brendan Rogers, you know, kind of had that youthful enthusiasm about him. And you saw that in the year with Suarez, Sterling, Sturridge, and, you know, when we finished second in the league. And, and it was all almost too youthful and too enthusiastic that Mourinho came in and tore him apart, you know, in, in, in the you know, the, the tactics arena on that day of Steven Gerrard famously slipping um, and <laughs> cost us the title. Um, and, 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 you know, I remember, you know, just willing him out of the door every week. And it finally happened after that draw in the Merseyside derby with Everton and Jurgen Klopp came in nine days later. And, you know, the buzz around the city, you've not quite seen anything like it. Like, you know, Everybody was so excited, you know, the the press conference, you know, they asked him what was his message to fans and he said, you know, you need to turn from doubters to believers. Well, nine years later, I'm a believer, fair play. Like, you know, this guy has taken Liverpool on a journey back to the big boy table and, and sat them back where they belong and said, hey, we are one of the biggest clubs in the world and this is where we deserve to be. This is what we need to do. This is the level that we need to compete at. We need to be throwing out title challenges. We need to be getting to Champions League finals. We need to be winning domestic trophies. You know, And he's won every trophy available to him apart from the Europa League um, in, in his first season in which he, he lost in the final. So I think his legacy at Liverpool goes way beyond 
football and the fact that he's been given the keys to the city and you know he is a legend in the city outside of football but I think his legacy in in, in football terms of Liverpool is he is the best manager Liverpool have had since Shankly and Paisley and and Shankly and Paisley have have brought so much success to Liverpool you see them on all the flags you see them on all the scarves you see them everywhere they are Liverpool's poster managers and everyone has tried to kind of pitch their way towards that along the way and Liverpool have a soft spot for Julier and he won the you know the Mickey Mouse treble back in 2001 and you know Rafa won the Champions League in his first season you know after being 3-0 down to Milan at halftime and and will always be remembered in that chain but Jurgen Klopp is the best Liverpool manager of the modern generation and um, he's going to be some big shoes to fill there's going to be some massive, massive shoes Very to fill. Shoes. Mm-hmm. And definitely a man who is comfortably in Liverpool folklore as a legend, unlike boring Brendan, um, <laughs> who will never be forgotten, but also never remembered either. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> but um, I guess on that note for you, Craig, when you, when you think about Liverpool mm. as a team, yeah. you know, this is a, t- a club that's got a massive, massive history, mm. um, both like past days and also present days. Yeah. And you think about like how much Sir Alex Ferguson fought and wrestled to try and get that total titles number and put Man United back on top. Mm. This, that's, look at your club now. That's the price you pay for that. But um, <laughs> when you think about what Klopp has done at Liverpool, considering what he's been up against in the absolute machine of, of um, Guardiola and Man City, like, how impressed are you with him and where do you kind of think we'll look back and or even now as we reflect on his time at Liverpool, where do you think we're going to place him in terms of things? In the ranking of manager? What, what? Not necessarily ranking, but like what would you say is like the thing that you, you look back on and think, okay, that's what I remember Klopp for at Liverpool? I remember one game against um, Everton. It was 0-0 in the 90th minute and the, and... Um, Pickford made an error, and then Origi scored a header. That was that was a game-changing moment in that game. And I remember the Champions League final against Tottenham. Tottenham was nil-nil, and then they scored the first goal in the first couple of minutes of the game. And then Origi came off the bench and scored the, scored the goals to kill the game. And there's, there's a couple of games. There's a game against um against United, a seven-nil last season at Ultra um at, um Anfield. And nobody thought that it'd be seven 0 game, but Liverpool actually destroyed Man United at um at, at, at Anfield. Mm. And Anfield is a hard place to go to, by the way, because Arsenal Arsenal fans will know like last season when we went there and drew two two with them. That was a that was one of the best games. Even Logan Klopp said that was one of the best games he ever played against Arsenal. And the one at the Emirates he said was the best game, the three two defeat last season when they lost the Emirates. So it was the hardest games he ever played as a, as a manager. I think what his legacy will be, he knows how to get the best out of players that are not being given a chance at other clubs or being discarded. Mm-hmm. Most Salah, for example, um, Chelsea didn't think he was good enough. He went to Roma, went to Fiorentina. Um, he made um, um, Klopp made gam- took a gamble on him, and it worked, and it paid off. Same with Mane. Not it was at Southampton. Southampton. Not a lot of clubs were looking at him. Man United put bidding for him, but he went to Liverpool. And the business, same with Allison as well. Allison was at um, Roma. No, nobody else went and put a bid in for rope for him, and, he, and then he put a bid in for him. Same with Van Dyke. A lot of clubs were looking at Van Dyke as well. 
But Liverpool the ones who put the 85 million on the table and to take this, and he went to Liverpool. Yeah. The rest is history. Mm. Same with players like Robertson. Robertson, for example. Robertson was at Hull. Everyone got to remember Robertson was at Hull. Not one of the best teams in the league, but it was in the championship. And um, Klopp put gambled on him and he paid off. I could yeah. go on and on and on about players he bought from lower leagues. and t- He bought... Um, Who's that guy? Let me feel that. Um, to play for Fulham. He's to play for Fulham. Um, Harvey Elliott. He bought Harvey Elliott from Fulham. And look what he's doing in the first team. Curtis Jones. Um, he, he bought a lot of like fringe players. He bought Jota as well from Wolves. On the business. Darwin Nunes. Um, Cody Gappo. I love how you snuck Nunes in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, Nunes, is gonna, well, Nunes will become good at Liverpool. He's scoring goals for fun now. So... Yeah. You know, second season, he's getting he's getting more used to getting more he's, confident. He's getting there. He's I getting there. He's getting um, out of that um, Harlan shadow. Yeah. yeah. Um, who else? He's bought some good players. Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz has been a good player from Porto. Yeah. Played against him in Champions League. Done well against Liverpool. Got the move in, in the January window. You know, he's, rather, he's, he's hardly bought any bad players who you would say he wasted money on players. and they're we'll, not. We'll, we'll get on to that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, most of the players he's bought for one, Liverpool. One, one, one yeah. or two. There's a couple. One or two. Mm. Well, one yeah, of the, one some of the players, look, most of the players I've named there, they've been successes at Liverpool yeah. so far. The ones that he didn't do well with, we'll talk about later. But other from that, I think if to rank him as one of the best managers at Liverpool, in a modern era, I think one of the best is up there with like Shankly and um, Paisley, as, as Marcus said. Um, he, he, I think he's better than the other managers Liverpool had before. And he's done a great job compete, competing against Man City as well. The great Man City juggernaut. He would have had more titles if Guardiola wasn't in the Premier League. That's a fact. Well, if if the Premier League can figure out, you know, the timeline to get some of those charges actioned, maybe he might have a couple more. Just saying. <laughs> no pressure. But some of us, anyway. <laughs> yeah, patience is running thin. Um, but I guess on that note, um, Matthew, like, what's a memory of Jürgen that sticks strong in the mind for you? From the many encounters at Chelsea? With Chelsea, well, there was that time when, I think the first time we played, the season we won the league, when Jordan Henderson called out a looping goal from all the way out and all the way in. That was a bit of an embarrassment. Luckily, we won the league in that season. There was the 2-2 when um, they went two ahead and then we came two back. Scrappy game, but a really good game. They seem to be, I think the Liverpool-Chelsea games with Klopp, sometimes they float under the radar, particularly with the Arsenal games and the United games. We have had some saucy games and even though they don't necessarily go in our favour, it's, it's a good kind of matchup against, you know, consistent managers like likes of Sarri with Conte, with Tuchel, not with Lampard and with... Um, <laughs> Even with Poch in the first game of the season, we got you know it was a great opener for two teams that had a lot of point to prove after really poor seasons, you know either side and coming up. It seems to be like an explosiveness that kind of sometimes comes out when we play. I mean, we had a couple of duds last year, bore draw nil nils. I fell asleep, and then I woke up again and again when I finished. I was disappointed, so I fell back asleep again, you know. So I won't take that from their like back of the legacy. So we've had some fun games. Weirdly enough. My favourite Liverpool games have nothing to do with Chelsea. They don't. Two of my favourite games. The first, One of the first ones in the Premier League was the one when they first played Juggern- Juggernaut City in 2018 with the, f- with the 3-1. And Salah just gets a goal up over Edison's head. And there was just a madness, a frenzy that every time they got the ball, they bombed forward. No matter what, bombed forward. 
It's like they go work up for breakfast, bomb forward. <laughs> Reverse the car, bomb forward. Forward, forward, every single time. Couldn't keep it. I was like tennis. And one of my other favourite games was when they went the second leg Champions League after Lord Messi scores the free kick of all free kicks. No one expected them to turn it around 4-0. And it wasn't so much the scoreline. It was the players that scored. It weren't no big timers. It was your fringes, like your, your, your dogs, like, you know, your hard workhorses. What is it? Um, Rigi. Um, was it what did one album score one as well? Yeah, one scored two. Well, yeah, it yeah. wasn't even a big time headline headline man. It was guys who knew what they had to do, and for the team, though, like proper team fringe players, clutch man, Origi, clutch man, turn it around. Great, it was, and the, the the turnaround was just immense. Obviously, when I go on to win the Champions League, so those are two kind of memories in mind. But I think my favorite, one of my favorite Chelsea's one, was probably the one we had to start of the season especially with like a case of redemption for both clubs and genuinely one of the most even games that you're going to find in along many places. If either team, and we both agreed on this, if either team had taken the three points, would have been like, that's fair. But it was a, it was a great game. Absolutely fantastic game. You know, and you know, I'm going to miss having those encounters, you know, that kind of just utter explosiveness sometimes. So no, nah, man, good times, man. Good times. Before I get into the next part, which is a really a really nice question, I think, especially for Mark to reflect upon, I got to throw this at both of you. Uh, actually, everyone's got to answer this question. I'm gonna start with you, Matthew, then work around. So, Go on, then. Brendan Rodgers bottling the league, mm-hmm. or Frank Lampard's entire time at Chelsea's manager, which one was worse? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be King Brendan in it because they had next. They had they were they had a chance to win it though when he was there. They had a chance. They were this. Close. They were that close. And then, you know, Agent Gerard did his thing. Didn't help us exactly, but still. So um, it was just because, yeah, I think it's going to be that because for the time being, it was they were saying, oh, for the first time in 20 odd years, they're going to do it. And then, yeah, as, as bad as Lampard was, he had no money to spend really in most of the time. Did anything of him? Well, no, I certainly didn't. So sorry, Mark King, Brendan. Correct. It's going to be Brendan Rogers because but it wasn't it wasn't the Chelsea game that cost them. It was, the, it was the Crystal Palace game. No, everyone forgets about that Crystal Palace, that 3-3 oh, yeah, free, free free, free, draw. Yeah, no, everyone yeah. forgets. If they'd beaten Crystal Palace that night, they go on to win the league. 100% they win the league. I think after that game, their confidence was gone. And then they went to the Chelsea game in the motions. Because yeah. they were chasing the Crystal Palace team. They didn't need to. No, they were free. They were free. They were just chasing more goals. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the, the other game, the Man City game, the big Man City at home, when... Um, st- um, Coutinho scored that screamer. So they could have won the league that season. So I'll have to say Brendan Rodgers. Mark, for you, Rodgers or Lampard? Yeah, definitely Rodgers. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. Wow. <laughs> the, 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 thing, the thing about it, though, is, you know, if Brendan Rodgers was the first man to bring a Premier League title to Liverpool... It would have been quite devastating, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Like at the time, we were so desperate for it. Like I was devastated when we didn't win that title. Um, but you know, now now we're looking at it. You know, ten years, eleven years later, I'm like, you know, oh, I'm so glad that man didn't win the Premier League. <laughs> <Wonderful. laughs> um, so um, so yeah, no, like, oh, yeah, I think I think obviously, um, you know, Frank Lampard is still trying to figure out what his career after football is. And, you know, I think we all see that every single day. And, you know, I, I have a real soft spot for Frank Lampard. I think, I think he's, he's such an interesting character. And every time I hear him speak or, or do a podcast, I'm like, 
ah, man, I like this guy. He really makes it seem like he knows what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's clearly not translated, um, you know, into his management in any way, shape or form. So, um, you know, good luck to him. Good luck to him in his next job. Indeed. Good luck, Frank. Um, I hope you do find something soon. Um, obviously, there's a vacancy Chelsea coming job. up <laughs> in Anfield, but you're not... Um, eligible, <laughs> so don't bother applying. <laughs> but you never know. You know, maybe if things don't work out, um, there's also Barcelona. You could you could go there. Um, I've heard they're looking for a legend to come in and, and fix them. And, and you know, you, you broke Chelsea, so they're already broken. So I feel like it's a match made in heaven, really. Um, but on that note, I guess for you, Mark, when we look at Jurgen, you know, there's been so many. As Craig said, you had the 98 point season. So many amazing highlights. For you, what was his best season and what was your favourite match as a fan? Yeah, look, I think his best season was the 2018-2019 season. You know, we finished second in the league with 97 points, um, third highest point total in Premier League history, um, and then went on and won the Champions League. And and, and there's a couple of things about that season that were, were quite stand out um, you know obviously Man City was exceptional and and fair play to them for getting across the line but you know just from a Liverpool perspective Allison kept 21 clean sheets in the league Sadio Mane and Mo Salah was joint top goal scorer with Aubameyang um, with 22 goals we went 20 games unbeaten that season in the league which is six more games than Manchester City went unbeaten um, and we only lost one game in the entire season um, Man City lost a handful, but they drew less than us. Um, and the, the, the most incredible stat for me across that period was there was a point where in Premier League games, Liverpool had won 103 out of 105 points. Wow. Oh. Which it's just this type of level of football, you know, from both City and Liverpool is unheard of in, you know, in history outside of Guardiola at Barcelona, Um, you know, and and I think I think you've got to you've got to give credit where credit's due. It is and Liverpool have been for a short period of time, you know, one of the best two teams to ever play in the Premier League um, to ever play English football and and you know it is it is something in which has been an absolute joy to watch now you know I'll give you four games that that I think kind of epitomize my Jurgen Klopp era and the first one was in the Europa League campaign where we went away to Borussia Dortmund and lost 3-1 and then we came back to Anfield and Thomas Tuchel was the Dortmund coach at the time and the magic of Anfield as we beat them 4-3 um, with a late goal from Dijan Lovren, the god that is, um, <laughs> to, to take us through to the next round of the Europa League and, and it just epitomised Anfield, it epitomised Klopp, it kind of epitomised that attacking, aggressive football, even when you've lost the first leg 3-1, you're like, right, well, yeah, so what? Like, you know, we, we, you know, we, we got this. Um, so, um, you know, that was, um, that was the first, um, you know, the second then, um, or the others have all sort of somewhat been mentioned, you know, the, the Man City game, I actually, in the Champions League, I actually would focus more on the first leg than the second leg, because the second leg, you know, we went to, to Man City and we took some pressure and then we managed to get up the pitch and nick a goal here or there. But that first leg, we were 3-0 up after half an hour. Um, and Oxlade-Chamberlain scored an absolute screamer. Um, you know, 
soft spot for Oxlade boys. Um, you know, and, and we were 3-0 up, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Man City had a couple of chances and we rode our luck a little bit with offside goal um, that Man City and Pep, you know, complains about all the time. Twice! Twice! <laughs> you know, um, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, to be able to hammer Man City so convincingly in the in the Champions League, I think, was 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 again another really enjoyable, enjoyable run. Um, you know, then obviously the two that have been mentioned that Klopp's probably best two games as Liverpool manager, 7-0 against Man United, you know, like, imagine beating Tottenham 7-0. Well, that, that's it. Like, you know, enough said for both of you guys, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you put seven past Tottenham, like, it, it's just that you make them into a laughing stock and, and it's just a joy to behold. Like, and you know, Bobby's, you know, last season for Liverpool, nice to see him score that seventh and go off dancing in the corner and just to dominate Man United so convincingly being like, you know, we are the big boys in town. You know, you're just little Man United. Um, you know, you're the second best team in Manchester, might even be the third best after Salford. Um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Um, so you know that that that's a that's a pure pure joy pure joy but then obviously the greatest game of Jurgen Klopp's tenure and the game that nobody will ever ever forget is as Matthew so rightly said going to Barcelona being 3-0 down and I remember leaving that game being quite angry like being like how how are we 3-0 down in this game like you know we hit the post we hit the bar Barcelona got a lucky deflected goal that bounced to Messi, um, uh, you know, off um, the defender and he tapped it into an open net. Um, and then the greatest free kick I may have ever seen, um, you know, in, you know, and we're 3-0 down and you just look in that game. And I remember the big moment where the ball went through and Usman Dembele was through in the 94th minute and missed an absolute sitter. And Messi went mad. Like, he was furious. Like, you know, it's like, Dembele's like, chill, man, we're 3-0 up, we're good. Like, you know, but Messi knew, Messi knew you don't go to Anfield and get away easy. And then, you know, we come to that night at Anfield, no no Firmino, no Salah, playing basically Divock Origi, you know, up front. And, you know, Divock is like at the center of all of Jurgen Klopp's greatest moments, right? Like, you know, you've got Jurgen Klopp's greatest hits featuring Divock Origi. Um, <laughs> you know, sc- Scored twice on that night. Like, the ingenuity from Trent on that corner um, was different level. Like, um, and, you know, you turn around, you know, the comeback to beat Barcelona, the mighty Barcelona with the greatest player on the planet. Um, 4-0 at Anfield with time to spare. Like, um, absolutely unbelievable. Um, So, yeah, greatest, greatest game. And, you know, there are so many more I could have spoken about, you know, the Norwich game where Klopp Klopp broke his glasses. Like, you know, there's so many moments um, in in the nine years. Um, But, but yeah, there's a few. Uh, He he has definitely been a man that's provided many joyful moments. And, you know, I feel like, the company seven up Mr. Trick, you know, because they should have sponsored your tour training equipment this past summer. I feel like it was a free advertising opportunity to just get to do because that was, the memes were brutal, but wonderful. <laughs> so, you know, maybe they might do a repeat this season because we are 10 halves going. It's not impossible. But I guess on that, you know, you've mentioned a lot of players that have done really well, like Tifa Karigi. We've obviously heard about the Salas, you know, Trent of his amazing, just his, in general, his set piece ability, his ability to can, kind of control and dictate games and just do things on a level where Gareth Southgate figure it out. 
I mean, we've said it on this podcast on numerous occasions, but when you have great players, you just make it work. Real Madrid, when they signed Beckham, which is, I love watching that in the documentary, they talked about their team and their starting 11. It's like, well, Figo plays on the right. And Beckham's like, but I'm a right winger. And Figo's just laughing like, my guy, you're not benched. Just put him in such a midfield. They made it work. So, you know, Gareth, that just find a spot for him. You can drop Maguire if needs be. We can play three at the back and have Trent in the free role. Just kind of, you know, just a completely free role where you can start off at right back and drift into midfield if he wants to. But um, on that note, I'll start with you, Craig. Who's the best player that Jurgen Klopp has developed? Ooh, that's only one. I'll give you two. Oh. <laughs> it's really harder now. <laughs> I think Salah and um, Trent. Salah and Trent. Matthew, best two? Uh, I only need one. Okay. That's Trent. Trent. Mark, who are the best two players that Jürgen has developed? Yeah, Salah and Trent. Full house. Unanimous. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it just, it just goes without showing. I mean, Mo Salah was, and I think I've seen some clips of his days when he was at Baal and or Basel, but he's always had the, the potential to be a really good player. That's the reason why Chelsea signed him in the first place. But the transformation from the stuff he was doing at Fiorentina and Roma, like he was scoring great goals. But the level of consistency that he's been doing at, at Liverpool, even when um, Salah's having a poor season relative to his own standards, is better than some players' lifetime best season. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, a couple it's of facts, years ago, facts. a couple of years ago, everyone said, "Oh, Salah's having a poor season. He's, be- you know, he's he's having." A- and I'm looking, and then you you're like, really? We go and check the numbers, and like, but Salah is he was behind Harry Kane mm. in the league, and yeah. this is meant to be his worst season. Like, are we are we are we okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, you're, you're you're right. Everybody was like, Marcus Rashford's having the best season on the planet a mm. couple last season, yeah, and and Mo Salah had ten more goals and assists than him, like. <laughs> Across all competitions, and you're and, and, and everybody's like Salah's been rubbish this year. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what does he have to do? Like, he has to get forty goals and assists a season just to get average based on his current standard. Like that, you know, the, the man's rush. at a different level. Like, it's crazy, different Bacon. levels. Bacon rush. But, but, but Liverpool in a transitional season last season. Let's be fair, they they sold Sane, Mane left, so they were kind of transitioning for him to rebuild the squad in the summer. Last this summer gone. So obviously Salah did, did had numbers were still good. I mean, I f- I think last season became a transitional season. I don't think you went into it thinking it's a transitional year. I think you went into it believing with the players you'd brought in um, that you would be you know have a much stronger season. It's unfortunate you got injuries, and I think injuries then changed the the outlook. It's mm-hmm. like okay, well you know we've got Van Dijk out, it's coming in and out, Matip in and out. Um, Salah is doing well, but then, you know, Nunes was still adapting, not quite firing. Um, Thiago was in and out. Fabinho was playing like he aged 15 years in the off-season. I've never seen a player go from being undisputed, top two defensive midfielders in the league, in the world, and you could argue one or two between him and Rodri, and you could argue that till the sun till the sun goes down, and you would probably not really. It will keep changing different based on different criteria. To go from that to being a player that Mohamed El Neni was could get in ahead of him. That's how bad Fabinho was last season. Thanks. That's how bad he was. Yeah. You have gone from Rodri 
to El Nenny. Now, don't get me wrong. El Nenny, every now and again, he'll score a wonder goal from outside the box, like he did this season. And wherever. he always does one, one good, great goal every now and again. But we all know he should not be playing for a top team, respectfully. This is not his level. I like the guy. He's hardworking, does his bit. But there's a, there's a level. And Fabinho dropped himself to that level. And now he's, he's off in Saudi making money and, and not even doing much out there. So a lot of things changed for Klopp. And, and I, th- I know also in the summer, there was the conversation about whether he would even stay on. Because I know, I think he was thinking about leaving back then. And I, I think his wife made him change his mind and stay. So that was nice. But he really just, it just wasn't a great season. And he, he did a great job because you still managed to get back into Europe. So it just goes to show he did something that some teams to my right <laughs> still can't figure out. You're really having a poor time just just do your bare minimum. <laughs> just get in the European spots and figure the rest out in the summer. Um, so that, I think that was really good. But, it, but, you know, when we say all of that, like we know there's been some incredible players he's worked with. He's had done some good stuff. Last year was very tough. He had to move on players that he probably didn't, Maybe maybe wasn't necessarily ready to move on in like Henderson Fabinho, but it worked out to be for the right reasons. But for every great signing, it's always the counter side, you know. For every Mo Salah, you get a flop. So Mark, give us a couple of names that you think are some flops that Jurgen has unfortunately been not to say that he's like signed them because I know you have a whole recruitment team but players that have been brought in during Jurgen's era yeah. that should never have been signed to Liverpool and I, I have three and I, I think you know you asked the question in a way where you said like biggest disappointment and biggest flop is two separate questions and, and, and I almost would merge them as one that I think mm. the three players I'm most disappointed with I'm most disappointed with them because of the potential of what I expected in they're performing at Liverpool. So we'll, we'll start with the third one and we'll make my way up to my number one disappointment, right? So num- number three is Thiago. Um, and and, and I, think he, I think because he he came to Liverpool with such ability and we all know how good he is and can be. Um, but, you know, with the mix of injuries and and then when, whenever he's played, like, I know he doesn't slow down the game, but it really feels like he does slow down the game. Like, um, you know, and passing the ball backwards when he could be passing it forward, like, you know, losing the ball and then pulling someone to the ground and getting a yellow card. And and I'm like, this is a man who spent like literally nine years and didn't give the ball away once in Bayern Munich. And mm. I remember one time watching him give the ball away three times in 30 seconds against Chelsea. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, literally what did you do like how, how have you gone from not giving the ball away in your entire career to giving your ball the ball away three times in 30 seconds like um you know so I, I think Thiago I find frustrating um because he really could and should have been everything that Liverpool needed in midfield and he just wasn't um you know so so that's that's number three um number two is a Again, a little harsh, I think, maybe, but but I think what he's producing now is evidence of the potential that was there, and that's Dominic Solanke. Um, that's you know, one. I agree. I, I, I think Solanke came so cheap that at the end of the day, he can't really be too upset when he doesn't work out. Um, but there was always a player in there. Like, you just think, there's a decent player in there, but like, 
when's that decent player going to come out and do something? Like, you know, it's kind of like Darwin Nunes. I, I, I know, I know, like, you know, he doesn't have all the attributes and qualities of Darwin Nunes, but it's the same sort of frustration that you're like, if you get your crap together, you have the potential to be exceptional or very, very good. And he's proven, proving that at, at Bournemouth. Like, you know, he, he, he's at his level, um, but he's starting to bag in the goals. And I think that is... That is fair play to him. He's found his feet. It took some time. I think he went 30-odd games without a goal at Bournemouth. But, you know, and Bournemouth were patient with him. Um, but, you know, I think I think there's a player who you look at and think, if Liverpool signed him, you know, in Klopp's peak, you'd have thought Klopp would have been able to bring the best out of Dominic Solanke. Um, you know, obviously he was already at Liverpool when Klopp came um, and then left, you know, um, quite early into... To Klopp's tenure, but I, I think I think that they would be that would be another one. Um, but but the main one is obvious, I think, to everyone involved and should be because Liverpool have always been looking for a Steven Gerrard replacement since Steven Gerrard left, and this man had the ballsy confidence to walk into the club and say he's going to take his number. Um, and you're like, right, all right, Stevie, like we're ready for you. Um, and I remember being genuinely more excited when we signed Naby Keita than I was almost anyone. You think, my goodness, this guy is such a talent. Like, there's so much ability there. He was so good at Leipzig. He's going to come into Liverpool's midfield and he's going to absolutely dominate. And and I don't remember a game in which he did. Like, I genuinely can't remember. Like, you know, he had moments, like, glimpses, like... He'd score a good goal or he'd take the ball and he'd run past a couple of people and you'd be like, oh, that's what he can do. Like, but, you know, never had any more consistency than about a seven-minute spell in a 90-minute game three times a season. Um, you know, so I, I think he's the biggest flop for the amount of money spent for the expectation. Um, in my opinion, he would be he would be number one. Wow. Wow. Craig, any players that you would add to that list or do those players tally up with you? There's one winger that on Liverpool bought and they sold him to Bournemouth. I can't remember his name. There's a winger. It was at Liverpool and they brought him to Bournemouth. He went to Bournemouth. He's not playing now in a way. I think he's... he's um, Jordan Ibe? Jordan Ibe. Yeah. He was a baller. <laughs> he was a baller. Honestly, he was that good. And he didn't do well at Liverpool and it got rid of him. He was... He had potential. He was very good. Um, The, the, the centre-back he bought, Phillips, something Phillips. Nat Phillips? Phillips. Mm. I thought that was a bit of a disappointing signing. I thought he'd have done well. I feel like when like Nat Phillips, Rob Holding. I think Nat Phillips has done better for Liverpool than, than Rob Holding has for Arsenal. To be fair. <laughs> I mean, Holding's won FA Cups though. To be fair, mm. he did cost us a league. <laughs> and, uh, who else? What was I say? Carrius. Carrius was a bad signing for Liverpool. Carrius. I thought Marcus was going to say Carrius. Carrot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Marcus was going to say Carrius. <laughs> Almost wiped him out of my memory. Carrius was. Carrius gave gave my. I remember that Champions League final. Oof. He gave that. He gave that the Gareth Bell goal. Where he scored. He gave away. The, he gave away two goals in that final, and yeah. cost Liverpool winning that Champions League. When Liverpool could have won that Champions League final, to be fair, yeah, if he had a bit, that, that's from the summer. Klopp went and bought in Allison after that in the summer. He bought Allison in after that final. And then won the Champions League. And then won the Champions League the following season. Yeah. Matthew, who have you got? Naby Keita, but for different reasons. 
So, Mark, you know how you were saying that he would only turn up for certain games? Do you know who those games were? Do <laughs> <laughs> you know who those games were? Chelsea. And I Chelsea. could not be Chelsea. happier to see the back of him because there we go. That's a point we're getting back each way. And even then, he'd always, those goals, those bangers, who were they against? Exactly. I couldn't be happier to see a man go. It was like, you good, good riddance. I'm sick of the sight of you. I remember one game... It was 5-3 and he he tore us apart, man. He tore us apart. If it weren't for Giroud, it'd be a cricket school, man. Giroud, Giroud always used to love to give um, Van Dyke a bit of trouble, but nah, man. He's, he's always, he'd only ever turn up for two games a year and it happened to be Chelsea every single time. So when he went, mm-mm. But yeah, everything he said was right. He, he should have done more at the time he was there. But yeah, I don't miss him at all. Yeah, I think, I think if I'm going to name two players, I think one I'm going to name is, it may be a bit hot, Harsh on, well, actually, no, I'm going to go three players. First one, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. I'm sorry, but for I was thinking that. making that move from Arsenal to Liverpool, the whole point of it was that you're going to play more games, establish yourself as a central midfielder, and kick on from there. And I'm sorry, but like, as in as much as you might have had good moments at Liverpool, your best moments at Liverpool do not eclipse your best moments at Arsenal. So for me, as a player, I don't think he developed. Post leaving Arsenal, I don't think he developed at all. I I think all that happened is Klopp was able to get the best out of him more consistently, but due to the fact that the guy was always injured, it just wasn't enough. And he's one I think is a disappointment for me because I think you make that move and you should really establish yourself at that club. And, you know, unfortunately, you just, just injuries is a big one. Another one um, is Minamino. Because it's a player who I think when you signed him was super exciting. Um, you know, when he went out on loan, I think he went out on loan to Southampton. Southampton, yeah. And he did, he looked, I was like, he looks, okay, he seems like he's finding his feet back. Comes back to Liverpool and it's just like, nah, this kid ain't it. Um, Oh, and the third one, it might be a bit of a controversial one. Might be a bit harsh on the guy, but considering the fact that he's been able to play for big European teams, I think to me, he is a player that has just been a big disappointment and that's Emre Chan. Yeah. Now he did a job and he was serviceable, but you were at Dortmund, you were at Juventus, Liverpool. Bayern Munich and it's academy. And you've just not, you know, you just I just think you're just average. You know? On the scale of yeah. declining Fabinho and Mo and Lenny, you're 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 just kind of up, you're just kind of in between. <laughs> you know? Um but yeah, I think that, that those are the ones I'd go for. Um now, of course, like I was listening to a, a debate on on that that TV that radio station that I won't name, but they have black and yellow in their branding, so you should know who I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, they will say a lot of rubbish, but um, they were talking about the you know the leg like the the top managers in the Premier League history and like where would Jurgen Klopp sit? And and in, and um, one of the the presenters was saying that he doesn't think that Jurgen should be considered in that, which is ludicrous. But I guess for you, Mark, like. Where do you put Jurgen in the all-time Premier League managers list? Yeah, look, I've I've ranked my top five, um, and you're not gonna like it. Um, <laughs> but what can what can you do? Um, look, I, I I took some serious time to think about this um, and try to think about the scope of everything that I I would consider, and 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 I think 
I think the top five are obvious. I think the order then of the top five is is what's up for debate. Um, I'm a Liverpool fan. Fergie's gonna never gonna be the top of any of my list. So, um, you know that's just a fact. Um, and you know even even taking my bias aside, I I think this Man City team is the greatest team to play in Premier League history. And mm. And I think Pep Guardiola is the best manager the world's ever seen. I don't think anyone can eclipse him. I think what he did as basically a kid with Barcelona, um, like in his first full-time job, murdered Sir Alex Ferguson's teams. Like, you know, and everybody always says, okay, like, well, it'd have been good to see Pep's team go up against, you know, 99 Man United. Mate, Pep's team would have murdered 99 Man United. Like, that's facts. There is is not a team... um, as good ever as that Barcelona team, I don't think. Now, this Man City team, the the thing that's so special about this Man City team is that, like, they won a Premier League title at a canter without a striker for nine months, right? Like, you know, and then they got a world-class striker and then they won the treble. And then they got 100 points and they got 99 points. And, like, they, they just outstripped absolutely every record. And, they, you know, Rodri best defensive midfielder in the world. Like, Bernardo Silva, like, I was having a debate with one of my mates at work and he said Bernardo Silva is one of the top five midfielders in world football and I basically laughed at him. And then I went away and thought about it and I was like, nah, that boy's a baller, man. Like, he is literally performs at such a high level consistently for so long. I'm like, who else would be better than him like in the top five he would possibly be there. Like, fair point. Like, um, so Pep is number one for me. Fergie, number two. Right, um, let's get that out of the way. I have nothing else to say about Man United, obviously. <laughs> right, um, so for me, I I put Klopp as number three, and the reason why is because I think that the levels that he's produced with Liverpool are higher than any of them other managers. I I actually think the the performance. The, the levels that Klopp has pulled out of this Liverpool team over a two or three year period or three or four year period have been higher than even Ferguson. But Ferguson did it for 26 years, producing, you know, so much success and winning so many titles. There's, there's not a chance. But I think Mourinho and Wenger, who I have Mourinho for, Wenger 5, are managers who have gone through periods where, you know, they've had a couple of years where they've shone and shined and then a few years where they've kind of gone into the abyss and then shot and shine for another few years and then kind of gone into the abyss. So I, I think, you know, you could argue Wenger above Mourinho because he did it for longer. And, and you know, I'd be happy with Wenger for Mourinho 5 because it was quite a bad drop-off at Tottenham for, for Mourinho and that still impacts his Premier League legacy. Um, but therefore, for me, Klopp's right in the middle, uh, n- number three. Um, and, and I think that's because... Mourinho and Wenger don't have the ability to say we've produced, you know, mid nineties seasons on multiple occasions. Um, we, you know, we've won everything that is out there to win Mourinho. Yes, but not at Chelsea. Um, you know, um, and I think you know, obviously, um, Wenger, you know, never, never won the, you know, good old biggest. So um, that that's that's my evaluation, and and you know, interested to hear what you guys think. Interesting. Craig, what's your thoughts? And how would you, what's your top five? Um, Has to be Guardiola number one, as, as Marcus said. I'll say Ferguson two. Um, I think I'll put Klopp number three. 
for what all the for what is done, and I'll put Wenger four, Mourinho five. Okay. The reason I'll put what is I'll put Wenger ahead of Mourinho, as Marcus said, Wenger was more consistent over a twenty year period at Arsenal, and he got us to the Champions League every season on a small budget as well during the Emirates era. We didn't have a lot of money to spend. Mourinho had an had a, had an open checkbook at Chelsea twice, two spells. So, and the thing with Mourinho, Mourinho's a three-year manager. Wenger was never a three-year manager. After three years, Mourinho kind of goes into the observity where he doesn't do well. He's the struggles. Wenger never, Wenger always knew how to do well in adversity. He always had to sell his best players, always knew how to rebuild. He rebuilt at Arsenal maybe 10 or 11 squads during his time at the club. So, I have to give it to Wenger at number four, yeah. Matthew? I think the original role that he had was correct. I think it's because of like, you don't just put it down to trophies. You bring it down to what the people did to the areas around them. Like Pep Guardiola has drastically changed Man City in the last f- 10 years, let alone in the last five years. You know, f- um, relentless Fergie in all that time, you know, that he was the one that coined their hair dry treatment, had all those big egos in the, in the squad and he dominated all of them. With someone like, you know, and with Klopp, you know, he's come in, he hasn't had as long, but he's, again, he's changed the culture. He's had a whole different approach. His personality is different from any of any of the others within that top five. Within, you know, with Wenger, you've got the professor, you've got the sophistication. With with Mourinho, you've got the wind-up merchant, you've got the character, you've got the cartoon villain. With Fergie, you've got a wield of an iron fist. And with Pep, you've just got the machine, you've got the tactician. Klopp, isn't like any of those guys, but he knows how to mix with the best of them. And he's more like the, he's the, he's, he's that cool kind of like wavy uncle, even like kind of like, like a hippie-ish kind of kind of dude, but he, he does, he does things his own way. And he's not ashamed to kind of do it. And in a way like, you know, makes it kind of a little bit of a maverick in that kind of way. I think that top five, I think the, the Wenger Mourinho thing is always going to be the one that's going to be up for the most debate, but it kind of, depends on how you look back at their at their legacies you know so with Wenger and I think it's a lot the gaps a lot closer than we think it is and I think with Wenger is as long as he was there you always wonder what he could have done if he just pushed that little bit more for a certain things at the times that you know he said over oh, 07 08 should have won the Premier League then you could argue 15 16 should have won the Premier League then when Klopp first came in and you know countless others I might be wrong about how many others he could have won but with what he did, with what he managed, with the bare minimum that he was provided, you can't say he didn't do well. Whereas, you know, Jason Mourinho is like future, chaos, come gone, come gone, ain't staying for this. Where like, no, someone like a Wenger's more like a Russell Wilson, the dependability sort of thing. But um, you have to have those top, top, those five in the top five. Mm. And I've reckoned the top two are non-negotiable in that order. Three, four, and five is a little bit more wiggle room, but me personally, in that order, I'll, I'll say that's pretty fair. Well, I'm going to throw a cat amongst the pigeons. I mean, I agree with the top two. <laughs> I think um, Pep and Sir Alex, I think that's sort of where you you definitely put them because what Pep's done over the, the time he's been at Man City is just absolutely ridiculous. And in as much as Ferguson was able to keep reinventing these squads and keep Man United competitive, there's just the way that, uh, Man City are under Pep which is just unlike anything we've ever seen before and it's forced Liverpool to be near perfect and it's still not good enough mm. whereas Ferguson didn't have to be perfect and he was able to get titles so mm. 
even the fact that the, the first title Man City won, Man United had the title mm. up until Aguero. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. For me, the, 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 the sticking, well, not the sticking point, the only change I'm going to make, because I think about the, the landscape of English football, what it was like in the, the, the sort of, actually from its inception to the, the treble winning season of United in 99, in the 98 or 97, 98 when Wenger joined and how much nutrition, fitness, diet changed completely from Arsene's start at Arsenal. In fact, people used to ridicule him for the things he was saying and even Ian Wright and Ray Parler would say like, oh, and Lee Dixon, you know, he's taking me our chocolate bars. I can't eat this, can't eat that. And, and just how much that focus on nutrition and health changed so much in, in, in English football as a whole and mm. the world, but also like how he prolonged players' careers for so long. Mm. And when you think about the number of players that he signed who had minimal potential and how he maximised them and made them like top players. You think about players like Nasri, for example, who came in, tricky dribbler, but very inconsistent and left Arsenal a really good accomplished player and then went on one more stuff at Man City. You think about, you know, uh, Van Persie who we signed as like a tricky young winger and we turned him into one of the best strikers in football history who will go down in the top 50. You can argue we're in the top 50. That's not my debate today. You know, obviously we can talk about the likes of Omri, Vieira, um, but putting those aside, like he had a track record of being able to pick up players from relative obscurity and develop them into absolute monsters. And you think about the, the nearly players, the likes of Diaby, the Alex, Jack Wilshere. Alex Son was a good player. Yeah, there's so many players that you can think of that almost made it, but for injuries or but for other reasons, could have gone so far. Even Adebayor, when we signed him, the guy was was, was a donkey. Raw. <laughs> he was raw. very raw. Very raw. And yet when he left Arsenal, there's, there's a top Premier League striker. So yep. for me, when it comes down to that top five debate, if you're going off it based on purely on trophies, medals, and like st- statistical stuff in terms of that, you would I would happily put Klopp third. When I think about the wider implication on 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 the league, on players, on development, for a manager that was there for so long, and how many players he was able to just take and make into something, I put Wenger third. Papa Wenger third. And then the I mean, I, if I, if I could, I would have the two of them joint Klopp and Wenger joint third. And then Mourinho lost because I think, you know, like he said, his times at um, Spurs has ruined it. He should have known better. But also I think, you know, he should have been a bit loyal. Like he should never go to Man United. That was just, it was just, that was just really stupid. He should have held up for a better job. Um, and then going to Spurs, like all good dreams go there to die. And Ange will learn very harsh in a few weeks or months time. All dreams go there to die. So <laughs> they, their motto is dare to dream, but, that's all they do. Dream. No trophies again. <laughs> no trophies again. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think what's we have been blessed in our lifetimes to have been able to see the shift in football from the the almost like aggressive passion merchants early nineties to the introduction of the silken flair in the late nineties, early two thousands into the Joga Benito style football from the early 2000s through to 2008-9 into the, what I will now call Klopp Pep ball, which is death by a thousand cuts versus rock and roll football. And now we've got Arteta trying to do his own variation of death by 
50 cuts because we haven't quite got to a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, and so it's just been fascinating to see how much the league has changed and football's changed. And we've been able to see great managers. You know, you had the Wenger-Fergie rivalry. Then you had the Wenger-Fergie-Mourinho rivalry. Then it was the Mourinho-Fergie rivalry. Then it was the Mourinho-Klopp. Then it was Klopp-Pep because Mourinho just fell off a cliff. And then Conte popped in to try and make it a rivalry, but he didn't last very long. So, <laughs> but yeah, Pep and Klopp and Pep and Klopp and Pep and Klopp. And even now, you've got potentially a three-way race between Pep, Klopp, and Arteta, who's looking up like, that's the place I want to get to. And and I'm, I'm knocking at the door, but until you bring home a big trophy, you're not at that, you're not having a seat. You're in the conversation, but the grown-ups are over there. You're here. You're the child. Mm. Sit there. You know, learn. You're the young apprentice. You're, you're, you're talking, you're, 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 you're speaking up a good talk, but as far as they're concerned, it's like, my friend, until you get one of the two trophies that we've got, then, for fun. Can, then come talk to me yeah. after. Come talk to us. But yeah. right now you're doing really well, young man. You're doing really well. On that note, we are going to go on to the last two big points for this episode, special episode. So we've been, uh, there's been a lot of talk about who could come in next. And obviously I mentioned Lampard jokingly, obviously he is a free agent, but listen, Frank, don't even bother applying. Like I'm rejecting you on Liverpool's behalf. But, um, but Mark, for you, looking at it, realistically and obviously I know that a long time ago Gerard would have been the dream scenario when he you know was doing well in the youth academy had a great run of it at Rangers made the mistake of going to Aston Villa and having egg on his face and now he's stuck in Saudi Arabia on a ridiculous supermax contract but um who is your shout for the potential looking at what the, the newspapers are saying how would you rank those people in terms of what names have been suggested as Klopp's replacement? Yeah, look, this is an area obviously, you know, since Friday and, you know, finding out the news, all sorts of things start to come out and, you know, you're kind of looking and thinking about it. So I, I've i basically gone to Skybet's list and there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten managers on that list. So I, I, I thought, I, you know, I'll... I'll present them. We can talk through the, these options. Um, and then I have an 11th that isn't on the list who I would love to be the next Liverpool manager who I think is a reasonable candidate and probably would come to Liverpool but is nowhere in the conversation so it's probably not going to happen. So that that's that's kind of the approach. I you know So I think the obvious starting point is where everything is, which, you know, is, you know, if, if Gerard was the heir to the throne, you know, two and a half years ago, the new heir to the throne is Javi Alonso. Um, and, and, and and I think, you know, he is the overwhelming fa- favourite for the Liverpool job at, at, at two to five. Um, and, and, you know, he has done an incredible job so far at Leverkusen. You know, he came and took over them when they were in the relegation zone and moved them up the league and has not lost a game this season so far as Leverkusen sit top of the Bundesliga. And, you know, the thing about Javi Alonso, right, is, you know, look, if he's going to be a flop at any point, which might be the case, we're still yet to know, he will do so while looking and being absolutely classy on every level because Javi Alonso is like a don, right? Like, you know... Played for Real Madrid, played for Bayern Munich, played for Liverpool, won everything with Spain. It as a footballer is exceptional, right? When he speaks, he's eloquent, he understands the game, he is knowledgeable, he speaks in about 50 million different languages. Like the guy is like so intelligent. Um and 
the question was always, would all of that translate into being anywhere near a half-decent football manager? And he sits top of the Bundesliga with Bayer Leverkusen, um, a team who don't have a star. Like, there, there's no superstar in that team. Bayer Leverkusen are not, like, at a point where there's one player that's, that's carrying them. They have a handful of players that are contributing. Their fullbacks have got, you know, five goals and six assists this season or there or there, you know, above, um, you know, like... Um, their, their centre-forward, um, Boniface, is scoring a, a fair few goals. Um, Verts um, is looking very, very, very tricky behind the striker. Uh, you know, but they have a lot of players that are contributing. They're, they're a team. They really are a, a team build. And I think Xabi Alonso is, is the overwhelming favourite. Um, so I'd be interested in hearing what you guys think about potentially Xabi Alonso being the next Liverpool manager. Matthew? He's strong. I mean, he's in a league where at the moment he's leading. He's not. He's not lost a game like Mark said. And, you know, you have to remember the fact that you know without a big star, he's ahead of a team that does have a very big star. And then for the first few months was doing nothing but score for absolute fun. That's in Bayern Munich. I mean, to be ahead of a team like that with a Harry Kane in scintillating form, and you're you know you're still at the competitive right end of the Bundesliga and hopefully breaking that duck of being a team not being Bayern Munich winning a Bundesliga, he has to say that he's doing something something right because that team is doing what all good teams that are going for a trophy are for. They're all mucking in. It's not just coming from a one-trick pony. There's literal threat from every single part of the pitch. bit like what you were doing from last year, mm. you had goals coming from everywhere. You were blowing teams away left, right and centre. You know, the first five, five, ten minutes, you had two, three, how many goals? I mean... I'm not keeping up with the Bundesliga massively, but that's what I'm. That, that's the kind of trajectory I'm getting is that they're all mucking in, and you know they're just trying to get their way into the right into the end of the season. Because what we don't want is them to drop off so hard that they're first after all this time, after all this hard work, to then drop off to be like say second or third with a massive deficit. But you know you can't argue with the legacy of something at Liverpool. He was there when they won the Champions League. I think he's won pretty much everything is one of most clubs and at Spain you're talking to a guy with accolades and someone who commands respect and you're going to listen to and that pretty much any other if you were going to name a club and you could have him in the midfield you're going to say yes it's he, there is no down there is no real of a downside right now for him not to go nor be a candidate at least so you know Javi Alonso is definitely one of, one of one of my list definitely all Craig answers. What's really interesting about this coming season? Kingsley Coman has won a trophy in every season of his career to date. Harry Kane has not won a trophy in any season of his career to date. One of those records will be broken this season. And so far, it's not looking good for Kingsley Coman. But Craig, who's your <laughs> shout? What do you think about that shout about Xavi Alonso? I rate Xavi Alonso. He's a very good player. Arsenal could have got him a couple of, when he was at Liverpool. He was one of, before he went to um, retreat off in Arsenal, Wenger was looking at him. Um, I've always rated him a great player. He, he had a great partnership with Stephen Child in that midfield when they won the Champions League in 2005. That was a great midfield. I think Benitez has made a big mistake letting him go, trying to get him Gareth Barry at the time. I was a bit like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no disrespect to Gareth Barry, but Alonso was just levels, levels. One of the top, top, top 10, top five Premier League midfielders of that time. Um, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a great coach. He's getting he's getting best out of Jacko this season in in um Leverkusen. He's got good players like Frimpong. He's got um he's got Wurtz as well. Good midfield player, German midfield player. Um, yeah, I think they have got a good team. I think I think they'll definitely go and win the league this season. 
think I think the Bayern I think the Bayern monopoly of them winning every year is gonna end this season. I agree. I think it definitely is gonna gonna collapse. But um, yeah, I I, I do back Shabby Alonso for that job. I think he's definitely one that will be a good candidate. Who else is on the list that they've got? Yeah, look, I think the thing about Alonso, just quickly, is that he he does something that none of the other managers on that list do, which is you're replacing a manager who has won the, the, the city, right? Like, you won the heart of the city, and it's going to be hard to replace a manager that has had such success and won the heart of the city. Now, Javi Alonso is already a Liverpool legend. Like, we absolutely love that man. He understands the club. He understands the culture. He's gone and you know, go on to great things. And I think, I think as, as Craig, you know, Craig said, I think a lot of Liverpool fans felt like he was hard done by being pushed out of the club at the time that he left. And obviously what he went on to achieve in his career is evidence of, you know, the fact that Gareth Barry ended up, at, you know, Everton, um, you know, for a while. And then at the same time as Jamie Alonso playing in a Madrid midfield of Modric and Cruz, right? Like, you know, I think that tells you all you need to know about that. But like, he, he would already win the, 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 the hearts of the fans right away and there'd be a level of patience with him, which I think would probably be needed. Um, so that, and that is one thing that I think goes in Jamie Alonso's favour. Um, right, to so the rest of the list, I'm going to split the, these next you know few into two sections um, and I'm going to let you um, pick the one that you find the most interesting um, and each of you can talk about one of them. Um, so second, six to one is um, Roberto De Zerbi, um, also linked with a Barcelona job um, after Xavi announced he was leaving Barcelona um, the day after Jurgen Klopp. Clearly got some inspiration, um, <laughs> you know. Um, third on the list is Pep Linders, um, Jurgen Klopp's assistant manager. Um, who has announced he's leaving the club as well and is going to be starting his management career. Um, fourth, um, he's 8-1, to 12-1, Julian Nagelsmann, um, who is currently the German national head coach until the end of the Euros. Um, and then fifth um, in this first section is Tottenham's own Ange Postacoglu. Um, so, um, I'll, I'll take Postacoglu, um, and, and chat about him. And if you guys want to pick one of the other guys and chat about your thoughts on, on those. Uh, I'm going to talk about Ange, Mr. Post, Mr. Post, Mr. Post, Mr. Mate, you know, mate. Um, <laughs> I think the good thing with him is that looking at what he has done at Tottenham, giving them a bit of credit now, uh, he does seem to have galvanized uh, a dressing room that lost their record goal scorer their former captain, and also obviously Lloris as well, the captain. And it seems to got them playing relatively well. Uh, you know, and I think th- looking at the, the transition from Klopp, who's such a big personality and he's united, united the city as well as the players so well, I think he has the personality to be able to come in and not be intimidated by his legacy and almost be like, well, okay, I'm here now. I can kind of chart my own path and not feel like I'm living in Klopp's shadows. So I think he could do really well in the job. Um, I don't know if he would be able to deliver you trophies, though. That's my only caveat, but I do think he'll do an okay job and roll in the job. Craig, who, who are you taking from that list? Um, Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann, he done well. He did okay at Bayern. Did well, I think it was at Leipzig, wasn't he? Leipzig. Yeah. I think he done well at Leipzig. Then he got the big move to Bayern. Didn't work. He won the league at Bayern. 
and then it didn't work out. Then when the Champions League and he got sacked. There's also the ethical stuff yeah. off the pitch which got in the way. I feel I feel like I feel like he's not the right I don't think he's the right fit for Liverpool right now in his career. He's too young. I think he needs to go and manage again at a club, gain more experience and more knowledge and try and win some trophies. Maybe in the future, further down the line, in maybe five, ten years or so, maybe you can get a big job like a Liverpool job, I would say. Matthew, who are you discussing and what you, what's your thoughts on them? I'm going to go with De Zerbe. I think he's done a fantastic job at Brighton. He's outspoken in the way that's different to Jurgen Klopp. He doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that gets too caught up in the whole mitts and the drama of the football. I think he's a very focused, very pragmatic kind of guy. And he plays a good brand of football. Again, like Ange, I don't know how many trophies he would bring, but I do think the standard of football would be very, very good. I think you'd be like... You go through that era where it's like just saucy, saucy football, where like a bit how what you were when with um, Wenger after like a couple of years at the Emirates, the where it was just entertainment, pure and utter entertainment. And uh, he has shown, he has shown that he can get progress in a cup somehow. He got to this um, FA, FA Cup semi final last year, and he's they're still very much in the. Europa Conference or somewhere this year so he does know domestic type competitions and he also does know European competitions so I think it's it's not a stupid shout at all to go for the Zerbi Alright Yeah look, I, I think Postacoglu is a really interesting shout I, I think if he hadn't have already gone to Tottenham because I'm, I'm not sure he will leave Tottenham after one year for the Liverpool job and partly because I also think that the only way that that would happen is if Liverpool threw all their eggs in their bas- the basket and said, look, you're our number one target. And, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I, I think he is a big character, as you said, Clive. I think he, he, he would fit the bill well as a big character in replacing Jurgen Klopp. And out of all of them ones on the list outside of Javi Alonso um, in, in that first half, he's the one I would be most interested in. It, it still baffles me that Julian Nagelsmann's only 36 years old. Like, I, I don't know how that guy is still only, you know, literally five years older than me, which is baffling to me, um, you know, for what he's done in his career. Um, You know, so um, I think it will work out for Nagelsmann eventually. And I think whoever is the club that takes that risk on him when he's figured all his, you know, coming into training on a wheelie, you know, uh, wheelie's shoes and all that jazz, when he's figured all that stuff out and kind of matures into the manager that he wants to become, I think there will be a club that will, you know, it will click and they will, they will really benefit. Um, And I don't know if that will be Liverpool. Um, I don't know if it will come too soon, as you said, um, Craig, right. Look onto the next five, the, the, the last five on the, the, the sky bet. Um, you know, odds, and then I'll talk about the one man who I would give the Liverpool job to in a heartbeat. Um, so 14 to 1, we have Amarin from Sporting Lisbon. Um, 16 to 1, we have Thomas Frank from Brentford. Mm. Um, 20 to 1, um, you, you've got Steven Gerrard. Um, a, a, another 20 to 1, you have Unai Emre. Um, and then good evening. A f- a final twenty to one. You have Xavi Hernandez. So no, 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 no. no. It's, 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 You're poison. I'm sorry. Sky are bugging Xavi, <laughs> Xavi, Xavi. He shouldn't look. They they would have been better off putting sending to Dan on that list because at least then there's you, you you can kind of Champions League winner, world class player. 
it, 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 it makes sense. Xavi, look, he needs to go back to the junior team to relearn a few things. That's not to knock him. I think Barcelona is a mess, mm. but you know that club's culture and you weren't able to translate the success you did with the youth team into the main team. You had your time managing in... Qatar? Qatar. Qatar. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> um, Craig, what manager do you want to talk about on that list? Um, <laughs> you mentioned good evening, so you might as well go there. Emery. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Emery, Emery could do a good job at Liverpool, you know. I know he had a big job at Arsenal, didn't work out, but I don't think he was given enough time at Arsenal, to be fair. Well, not saying not saying I want him back, but I feel like he would do. I think he's done what he's rebuilt his career. He went to Villarreal, won the Europa League at Villarreal, came to Aston Villa, transformed Aston Villa from relegation candidates to challenging for the title this season or top four this season, if you want to say. I think he'll do. I think he could do a good job at Liverpool, but is he the type of manager that Liverpool fans would want to improve? As Arsene Marcus shot the question back to Marcus, would he be the type of manager that Liverpool fans would would give time to or? Would you want someone like a Deserbi or a Javi Alonso? Yeah, well, I think Unai Emery falls into the Rafa Benitez type mm, mm. kind of mould at Liverpool, which is kind of like, you know, we'll love you when you prove it sort of mould. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I, I like Unai Emery. I, I, think he's a, I think he's a good coach. Um, I think he's done a brilliant job at um, Villarreal. I think he's d- d- doing a brilliant job at Aston Villa. Um but I'm not convinced um, that that he would necessarily be, you know, even like I say in the top three or four candidates, um, you know. But but man, the guy's doing a fantastic job at Aston Villa and has shown that he can compete with the big boys, compete with Man City, and actually played Man City off the park. Like you know, that's been the most dominant performance I've ever seen against Manchester City. Um, the Aston Villa performance this year. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's 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 kind of my, where my my thoughts are. He would fit into the kind of Rafa Benitez mold. It would take time for the fans to to buy in, but you know the Liverpool fans are, are, are patient enough. Usually, you know we we don't we don't go through managers. Um, you know like our like our Chelsea. We, you know mm. we, we 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 let our managers we let our managers lie and we give them time. And even if we're not sure that they're the right man for the job, we we get behind them. But, you know, I, I do think, you know, like, like you said, Alonso, Deserbi, Nigelsman, Postacoglu, they, they all are much more attractive prospects than, than maybe the likes of Unai Emery. Um, but Matthew, I'm sure you want to talk about your Brentford man. I do. Thomas Frank from last year is a better shout, but for Thomas Frank from this year, it's, t- it's too outside like way, way, way too outside. I think he's always going to be a, he's he's always going to be a very good manager from when he first arrived in the Premier League and he made Brentford very hard to beat. I don't know. I think when you first played them, I think that was at Anfield or the G-Tech, I can't remember. They were they match you tit for tat. You scored, they scored. You scored, they scored. Like three, three. I think at one point, I think they were ahead for a bit and then you got, you got in and scored the last minute goal. So he knows how to make a team that's, difficult and stubborn to beat. They were knocking on that Premier League for a very long time and they finally got up there and you could almost call them Premier League established. They're struggling a little bit this year, granted with um, Tony being out for so long. And I think at one point we said that if it wasn't Pep winning manager of the year, we would have had him 
just for what they had, the very little he had to work with and working with her. But in a, there's a community sense around Brentford. And I think he understands that. And I think it's the same thing with Anfield as well. It's not just the fact that they competed with the big Galacticos. There's a very much a community kind of set up with this club at Liverpool, you know, what it means to the people, what the GTEC means to the people. I just think when it came to, you know, again, he would make out... I, I question if he changed too much at Liverpool for what you want. At the end of the day, you still have that homely feel, but at the end of the day, you still want to compete. You still want to go out and, like, you know, go out there and win things. And he's done reasonably well at Brentford, you know, keeping them afloat. And, you know, they haven't unfortunately moved on to, you know, where they'll be with, like, injuries and stuff like that. But I think last year's, Thomas Frank would have been a better shot than this year's Thomas Frank. Well, that's no disrespect for him. They're just in a very difficult, they're in an odd old spot with their squad and their players and that. So it's going to be, it's, it's a fringe of the three. You wouldn't be bringing home trophies for like a, a bit, I don't know, but I see why he's there. I, 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 I get why. I, I get why he is there. I I'm 100% get that. And I think that. If he were to go to another club, it would be somewhere else in, the, in like the Premier League. I mean, maybe like a Crystal Palace or something. I think he'd do wonders there. So, yeah, very fringe, very, very fringe kind of choice. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what comes. So you, Mark, from those uh, final options, so who are you leaning on to be the, the likely one that you prefer? Yeah, look, I, I think if you guys remember anything from my my management rants on this podcast there is only one man who i would want to be the next liverpool manager and look he's not on any of the lists and he's not likely to be be the next liverpool manager but but the reality is that when you're making a judgment on who should be you know your manager you have to go by the amount of hair they have on their head and <laughs> that 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 that, that is, you know at, at its center you know when pep's not available who's your next bet um, you know, Manu thought it was Ten Hag. Um, you know, they, they, they tried it. It's not quite worked out. Um, but no, for me, the, 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 the number one candidate, if I was determining who would be the next um, Liverpool manager, would be Arne Slot. Um, the, the success he has had at Feyenoord is unreal. He, mm-hmm. you know, won a league with Feyenoord by, by, by spending half the money that Liverpool have spent on Dominic Sabozloy on his entire team um, and managed to beat big boys Ajax to the league title. Um, anytime there's been any real success in Holland outside of Ajax, Arne Slot has been your, your man to identify. And I think he, he is worthy of the step up. You know, he, he, he turned Tottenham down, um, you know, when, when you know, an, about five or six managers turned them down um, and then Postacoglu finally got the job. Um you know, and, 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 and I think his football is is phenomenal. I, I think the, the way Feyenoord play, the, the style, it, it, it fits what we we would want at Liverpool. Um, but I also think, you know, with, you know, at this stage, when you're looking at the lists of names that are being linked, I think Jabby Alonso is, is the most likely to, to be the next Liverpool manager. Um, and, and I think, you know... It's, Outside of that, I I'm looking, I'm looking at Postecoglou, thinking, yeah, I'd quite like that, um, you know, and I wouldn't be too upset with Nagelsmann. But the thing that is unique about this search compared to nine years ago when we was looking for um, a new manager and we hired Jurgen Klopp is 
is that there was no doubt that Jurgen Klopp was going to be a success. There was no doubt that he was the right fit for the club. And there was no doubt with really a handful of candidates that Liverpool was looking for. There, there weren't a lot of risk there. Ancelotti was the, the next in line for the Liverpool job at the time. And as Ancelotti nine years ago, one of the best coaches in world football, like, um, you know, and it was only the fact that he had the, 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 the timeout because he had the operation that in the end he wasn't considered at the time and, and Klopp, you know, jumped him to the, the gun. But I think Ancelotti or Klopp at that time would have been phenomenal um, options for Liverpool manager. Um, there isn't a manager on this list without risk. There's not a world-class manager out there that Liverpool can hire and we're like, this is going to work out. This is an absolute guarantee. Liverpool have gone to the top of the mountain and whoever takes this job is going to have to put his own footprint on it and start climbing up that mountain again. There's no there's no obvious guaranteed path to success here. And Jabby Alonso strikes me a lot like Arteta, that Liverpool would probably have to be patient and give him a couple of years and let him find his feet and let him find his place and let him find his voice and his style and, you know, make some mistakes and figure some things out as he goes. Uh, but there, there is the potential for you know, one of the best young managers in world football there. So, you, you know, maybe you take that gamble, um, especially when there isn't a star obvious manager out there. The, the most obvious star name you already mentioned, Clive, is Zidane. And, and you know, nobody, know, nobody knows what style of football he plays outside of Real Madrid. And he just wants the French job. So, you know, the, the, the reality is, you know, if it's not today, it's tomorrow. He's, he's going he's gonna to take that French job. So it, I, I actually think... It could be after this European Championships in in the summer he could finally get what he wants and and, and then that, that that's why he's he's not mentioned. But that is the thing that strikes me the most about this as we look forward that there isn't there isn't a superstar. Mm. That is true. Yes, and I think that that's going to be the 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 massive food for thought that the Liverpool recruitment team the board have to consider as well. Maybe Jürgen might have some input into it. We don't know. We'll, we'll see how things go. But it's going to make for a very interesting decision. And we'll see what Liverpool end up doing come the end of the season. Obviously, there's a big game on the horizon. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Just really briefly, with this news in mind, what are we expecting as a poss possible outcome? And I'll start with you, Matthew, and I'll run for everyone. It's the game on Saturday. It's the game coming up. It's 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 coming up. It's coming up. Ooh. Saturday. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think this is going to be a stalemate. Cool. It's going to be a fiery stalemate. I think there's going to be goals from like either side, two two there and two there, either side sort of thing. I don't think it's going to be a you blew away Palace, which to be honest, everyone's doing. And they blew away Norwich, which again, they'd love to do as well. So I think you kind of meet in the middle where you're kind of coming back to like cup competitions and just find that kind of Premier League form. It's, it's, the Premier League's in a weird spot because of all the breaks they've been having and stuff like that. So probably a game. I can see this being a draw, like a 2-2. Two -two. Okay. Craig, what are you putting? 3 to Arsenal win, like last season. All right. Mark? Um, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a big game. Um. I think it's a big game. I think it's a big ask for Liverpool to go to the Emirates and, and win. I think Arsenal plays scintillating football and Liverpool can can always be a little leaky at the back. Um, you know, so I, I would imagine Arsenal with Saka and Martinelli, you know, will will get the ball and they will attack and they will be aggressive and um 
and, and, and I've been very impressed by by what I've seen of Arsenal. Um, but at the same time, beating Liverpool is always tricky. And we showed that in our trip to Emirates in the FA Cup. Um, and and, and I, I think that, that we... We, we, we obviously will be doing it without Salah as well, but I, th- I think we have players that are coming into form. We are the form team in the league. Um, and, you know, just make sure you don't give the ball to Jota anywhere inside the six-yard, eight-yard, 12-yard box because that man scores everything he touches at the moment. Um, and, you know, you'll either get Darwin Nunes scoring a hat-trick or having nine chances and scoring none. Um, so depends on which Darwin shows up, but look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Liverpool. That's right. I, I'm gonna go for Arsenal to just narrowly sneak it. I think that the Klopp news will galvanize galvanize the players. I think it's quite interesting that um, you know the, the, some journalists asked Van Dijk, you know, what's his thoughts and plans at the end of the season. He's just like, I don't know, we'll see. Which has now put the cat amongst the pigeon. And, and my only concern with this news is that. It could work in one of two ways. It could galvanise the squad and you guys go on a crazy run and you actually bring home a double of the Premier League and the... And the actually, it could potentially a treble, actually, because you are in still in three. Quadruple. quadruple. Four, quadruple. So quadruple. you could finally do the quadruple and one up <laughs> on Slaphead. Um, <laughs> or it could all capitulate and players could be like, well, you're not going to be here next season, so I'm down just going to down tools and just like whatever, in it. So it's, it's a risky decision. Obviously, Jürgen knows why the club announced it now. They have their reasons. I just think it's very bizarre. It could be them signposting another manager say, look, by the way, this job's going to be available in the summer. So you never know. And it does feel a, li- a little bit like when um, Guardiola was signed uh, by Man City and they announced it so early and Pellegrini was was a bit um, annoyed. It does have that feel to it. Manager's available. So you just kind of put the news out there. Apparently the club knew back in November, but how true that is, I don't know. Either way, thanks for joining us, episode 100. It's been an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to bringing you another 100 more. And we'll see what happens at the rest of the season as Klopp goes on his farewell tour at the Emirates. Guys, look, we're not doing no Guards of Honour. Save that for the summer. Be professional. (laughs) Peace out. Peace. Peace. Peace.